This is the Fantasy Ladder Podcast, episode number two. I'm your host, Steve, at Fantasy Ladder. This podcast is brought to you by the IDP Guys Network from idpguys.org. So welcome back once again, my fantasy football friends and family. Let's climb the ladder of fantasy football together. So this show, we are going to be covering a little bit of NFL news, and we're going to be covering the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft. Uh, ironically, some of the NFL news of today, Monday, May 2nd, are going to kind of blend into the NFL Draft news to kind of make uh, a little bit more sense of, of some of the picks uh, that occurred. Uh, so today, uh, the New Orleans Saints signed safety Tyron Matthew. Massive signing for them, and it also serves as as a little bit of a homecoming for for Tyron Matthew, as he was the Heisman candidate at LSU during his college seasons there. Uh, but he may be just the final piece to take that defense uh, over the top uh, to try to be a a stronger contender for the NFC South. And then, really out of nowhere, this was quite bizarre. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins was handed down a six-game suspension for violating the NFL's policy on performance-enhancing drugs. Um, this may have been a factor in the Cardinals trading their number twenty-three overall pick for the Baltimore uh, Ravens wide receiver, uh, star wide receiver, Marquise Brown. So maybe they knew the suspension was coming. Maybe they didn't. Either way, a a very fascinating loss for the Cardinals for, for at least the first third of the season. And uh, the fantasy fallout will, will be uh, quite shocking and interesting to figure out as well. Uh, but Hopkins will become a, a pretty interesting player uh, to see where the ADP ends up come August, knowing you're going to miss a chunk of the season, um, just sitting on the bench, just kind of rotting away. Although once he's back, I mean, he's back to being a superstar. So all that will be covered as the summer progresses. So let's take a look at the first round of the NFL draft and see how my mock draft from episode one stacked up. So we're going to see where I was spot on, where I was pretty close, and where I was completely wrong, as there was just a lot of chaos that occurred in the first round. It was a really wild Thursday night, so let's take a look and see how it went. So the first 10 picks were pretty standard. All the teams in the right order selected, and then absolute chaos occurred after that point. So this draft had an NFL record nine trades in the first round. So like I said, extremely entertaining night of, of television watching this all play out. It, the, this draft already had a lot of intrigue anyway, just to see where some of these somewhat questionable quarterbacks may land. Uh, so obviously we'll, we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, but I did want to touch on some of the things that I explained back in episode one. I laid out what some of the foundational positions were that teams in transition should be targeting. Um, I did try to blend that line of thinking into my mock drafts, uh, but basically that the hierarchy of important positions to target in the draft are uh, starts with quarterback, obviously. Then it's a pretty close call between the defensive line and the offensive line. That could be a little bit of a specific team makeup and, and what they need on the roster. 
Beyond that, I would then prioritize the offensive skill positions where appropriate. Then after that, the uh, defensive support positions uh, also where appropriate. So if there is a especially good cornerback, like in this class, uh, then, that, then that may supersede some of the other positions uh, to just lock down a complete stud at that position. And I think some of that line of thinking that, that, that I laid out for the most part played out here um, in the first round. So of the 32 picks, there was nine offensive linemen selected, seven on the defensive line, seven defensive backs, six wide receivers, two linebackers, only one quarterback, no tight ends, and zero RBs. So, like I said, one through 10 were fairly normal. I'll run through those first 10 and then compare my mock draft results uh, in that section to start. So first overall, the Jacksonville Jaguars did prioritize edge rusher. They took Trayvon Walker uh, out of Georgia. He was someone who I mentioned was rumored to be taken first overall. And for once, uh, that rumor was correct. So... I had them taking Aiden Hutchinson, edge rusher. So I was on the right track, just missed on the player, uh, but that's okay. Number two, Detroit Lions, Aiden Hutchinson. So the kid from Michigan stays in Michigan uh, playing for Detroit uh, with the Lions. So that's a pretty neat story. Uh, but I was correct in that they were going, I was projecting them to be targeting edge rusher, and that's what they did. At three, the Houston Texans did something uh, pretty interesting. They went cornerback and took Derek Stingley Jr., who for me was the number two cornerback in this class. Definitely not a horrendous pick, I don't think. But if they were going cornerback, I probably would have sided with Sauce Gardner, uh, who went number four to the Jets. That was one of my four exact hits. Uh, that was the first hit uh, from the mock draft. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, and I think the Jets just sprinted the card up to, to get Sauce Gardner, uh, who is going to be an absolute stud in the league. Five, uh, New York Giants selected Kayvon Thibodeau. They did prioritize the defensive line like I was thinking. Although I had the order switched around, they ended up taking Evan Neal, the tackle, uh, and then the edge rusher. Kayvon Thibodeau, as I mentioned, I had the positional priority switched around, but they, I basically nailed what they were trying to do in terms of trying to rebuild their roster and putting Daniel Jones in the best position to succeed with the tackle of Evan Neal at seven. But between the five and seven picks uh, at number six, the Carolina Panthers, this was one that really could have gone a lot of ways. They really, they could have targeted tackle or quarterback and they went with tackle and they took the top tackle or the first tackle uh, in the draft with Ekem and Ekwonu out of North Carolina State. Uh, really smart move there. Then at eighth, the Atlanta Falcons did select the first wide receiver drafted in Drake London. I had them mocked to, uh, to select Garrett Wilson, but they went with the bigger, uh, framed Derek London instead. Can't really complain about that. So uh, definitely on the right track there. Number nine, the Seahawks selected tackle Charles Cross. This was my second exact hit. Uh, I figured that Drew Locke is, a, is the new and young enough uh, quarterback that the Seahawks 
want to keep him playing as consistent as possible. If they want to accomplish that, they want to keep him uh, upright and give him uh, as much time as possible to make good decisions with a new and improved tackle position. That's what they accomplished with Charles Cross. Then at 10, the New York Jets selected Garrett Wilson, get another wide receiver in there to help Zach Wilson and uh, other young star wide receiver, Elijah Moore. So I think this is a fantastic fit, not only both for fantasy, but also for real life. And that sentiment is also echoed for Drake London in Atlanta. Now, this is when things got really, really interesting. The uh, New Orleans Saints traded up from number 16 to select wide receiver Chris Olave out of Ohio State. I found this to be a little bit bizarre, not because of because of Olave's sake. I think he's a fantastic player. He will be an instant starter for the New Orleans Saints offense. I just think maybe the Saints were just a bit over aggressive in pursuit of this trade. Uh, even before the NFL draft uh, happened, they did this blockbuster trade with, with the Philadelphia Eagles, where they gave up a 2023 first round pick, a 2024 second, a bunch of mid round picks swapped uh, because the Eagles came into this draft with three first rounders and the Saints wanted to get in on the action. So I think that move makes sense if they feel that they are surefire contenders. And I think in some ways they are, but I think that really at best what what they I think what's realistic for them is is one of the wild card spots in the NFC conference because I do believe that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are still the class of that division as long as Tom Brady is around. Uh, I do like Chris Olave a lot as I said, but I just think that the Saints quarterback situation is really just makes this kind of a head scratcher. Um they do have a brand new head coach in Dennis Allen it is going to be a very wild transitional season for the Saints as longtime head coach Sean Payton is retired, but I think they are going to try to keep in that tradition that Payton had uh, laid out for them over the last, oh, uh, seems like 20 years or so uh, that he's been around there, maybe only 15 or 10, something like that, but still, um, they think that that they can win now. So I do appreciate their aggressiveness to do that. I just think it was a bit hasty. And I'd love to have some Saints on, uh, some some Saints fans on to see if they feel the same or if they feel different. Um, so I'll hopefully we'll, we'll be able to have a discussion with them considering or covering that trade. Then the Lions traded up all the way from 32 with the Minnesota Vikings to select wide receiver Jamison Williams. This is a move that I think is phenomenal. Uh, the Lions are building a really unique talent core, um, really young and good superstars. Jamison Williams is a player that they might have to be a little bit patient on, however, because he did tear his ACL in the 2022 National Championship game. Um, but for, for what they gave up, uh, the trade was essentially, let me just pull my notes so I don't say the wrong thing. They picked at, they, they were sitting at 32 and they also had pick 34 
And so they gave up 32, 34, and pick 66 for to be able to jump up to 12. So jump up 20 spots with the Vikings, and they got pick 46 in return. So really the jump up 20 spots, giving up 32, 34, and gaining a 46 is kind of a, a, a wash for me. So really they're only giving up uh, pick 66 to get potentially a superstar wide receiver for their franchise. I think that was an excellent move. Very excited to see what the Detroit Lions are going to be able to do. Then at 13, the Eagles made a trade from 15 up to 13. They leapfrogged the, the Ravens and took defensive tackle Jordan Davis, who I initially had mocked to the Eagles. So, or to the, to the Ravens. So perhaps the Eagles were thinking what I was thinking. And if they really wanted to get their guy, they had to make the move to do it. Uh, they sent the, 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 the Texans a fourth round pick and two fourth and two fifth round picks to, in order to make this move. I was through as an Eagles fan, I was thrilled with, with the move. Uh, I think it's a brilliant, uh, plan to have him on the defensive line. He he will fill in as a starter immediately, and then he will be able to carry the torch after uh, Fletcher Cox does retire. And that's basically the, the the line of thinking I had with the Ravens uh, and their uh, defensive line. They always like to have that established as as a way to create pressure. Um, but they but but the leader of that line, uh, Calais Campbell, the longtime great in the NFL, is now 35 years old. So I figured if Jordan Davis went there, he would be the contingency plan for him. But now Jordan Davis, I believe, is the contingency plan for Fletcher Cox, who has been with the Eagles organization through massive ups and downs. He was drafted in the at towards the end of the Andy Reid regime. He survived the Chip Kelly regime, as well as the Doug Peterson regime, and won a Super Bowl with the team. And now he's here in the Nick Sirianna regime. So. Love Fletcher Cox as a player, but but Jordan Davis will definitely be the one to take over on that defensive line. Then at 14, the Ravens were just able to take the best defensive player available, essentially, with safety, Kyle Hamilton. Then at 15, uh, now the, that the Texans are back on the board again, they selected, uh, in their opinion, the top guard, Kenyon Green. I think there was a bit of a debate over Kenyon Green or Zion Johnson, whoever the top guard was. But either way, in my mock draft, I had them prioritize in the offensive line uh, just as a foundational piece. So very smart move there. Then the Washington Commanders were finally on the board from the trade back with the Saints and they took wide receiver Jahan Dotson. And as a Penn State fan, I was extremely happy for Dotson. I did believe all along that he was a first round talent, although I figured he'd be more in the back half, like towards the end of the first round. So I just was over the moon for him. I think it's a great landing spot. Um, that was sort of my fallback priority for the commanders. Uh, I figured that they would target defense to try to reestablish their strong unit there, uh, but definitely getting a sure-handed pass catcher like Jahan Dotson is, is a fantastic fit. Then at 17, the Chargers do the smart thing. They take the next best guard available on the board in Zion Johnson just to ensure that Justin Herbert is protected and upright through his prime. Then at 18, more sparks uh, were, were displayed. The Eagles and the Titans made a blockbuster trade. 
the Titans sent the Eagles, AJ Brown, star wide receiver for uh, pick 18. And the, in, in order for the Eagles to, to make this trade, they gave up pick 18 and a third round pick and immediately extended AJ Brown, giving him a $100 million contract with $57 million guaranteed. I absolutely love this move for the Eagles. Uh, he is a dynamic receiver, a big body. He basically can do all the things that Traylon Burks can do, um, essentially. But the great thing about AJ Brown is that he is a sure thing. And right away, the Eagles know they have a stud wide receiver. This basically makes up for the draft where they missed out on DK Metcalf and then missed out on Justin Jefferson. It doesn't fully heal the wound, but it does make up for it. And it, it really just speaks volumes to what they are trying to do re regarding Jalen Hurts. They're trying to do everything in their power to help him succeed and keep on with, with the positive progressions that he has made so far as a young professional quarterback. Although he does have a, a lot to a lot of way to go. Um, a tremendous athlete, but still has to improve on the deep ball accuracy. Um, I compare AJ Brown to Traylon Burks because Traylon Burks is who I had mocked to the Eagles from episode one. Uh, they, they both have a similar uh, style of play where, where they do a lot of yards after catch uh, and can, can be a threat in the red zone. So basically uh, we get the proven type of receiver that Traylon Burks, I imagine can be, and the Titans get that same kind of player uh, back, but in a much cheaper sense. And it can kind of keep the offense churning there in Tennessee uh, the same way as, as before. So I think it's a very interesting deal that that was done. Uh, just one of these tough business decisions that the Tennessee Titans had to make, but for the Eagles, I am over the moon for it. I am just very excited uh, but we move on uh, to number 19, the New Orleans Saints back on the clock again. This was my third of four exact hits, taking tackle Trevor Penning. So again, I I would have, generally speaking, would have wanted them to prioritize the quarterback position. Uh, and, and even at this point, no quarterbacks were taken. So um, again, tackle is a good foundational piece to get. I just was shocked that they didn't try to get a quarterback. I do like Jameis Winston as a player, especially as a fantasy asset. I just think he's a ton of fun, but he is a bit erratic as a professional throwing usually just as many turnovers as he does touchdowns. And that ultimately is what I think will be the Achilles heel for the saints in the actual regular season. Uh, just the up and down inconsistency of Jameis Winston. And Jameis is just such a fun player to root for. I really do hope he he can uh, just kind of tighten up his game. But either way, they, they, they get a foundational piece with a tackle. Maybe they will uh, re revisit that position in future drafts. Then at 20, the Steelers do select a quarterback that I was thinking they would but they took a different one uh, in my mock that this would have been the third quarterback taken, but this was the actual first quarterback taken in this draft and just added to the intrigue of the entire night. But Kenny Pickett, uh, the, the dynamic quarterback out of the University of Pittsburgh, stays in Pittsburgh. I really think that's a pretty fun storyline. Um, so, yeah, he just was 
overwhelmed with joy when he was drafted. And that is just really is what makes the the draft so special just to see the, the overwhelming uh, amount of happiness that can come from being selected. Then at 21, the Kansas city chiefs uh, did trade up all the way from 29 to select uh, who they felt was the next best cornerback uh, available. And that was Trent McDuffie. I would tend to agree with that. I did in my mock draft say that they were going to want to prioritize the defense because of the revamped nature of the AFC West with Russell Wilson now in Denver and Justin Herbert just entering into his prime, improving year over year so far, entering his third season. And then with Derek Carr now being paired up with Devontae Adams uh, in Las Vegas, that's pretty scary. So they really need to prioritize uh, stopping all of that uh, in order to uh, have success, not only in the regular season and hope for a playoff spot, but that is definitely the way to go. So I like that uh, plan of action that the chiefs carried out at 22, uh, the green Bay Packers. um, They uh, again, did not take a first round wide receiver. Now, maybe at this point, since there was already one, two, three, four, five, six wide receivers taken. Maybe they figured, ah, just kind of shift gears here and just try to focus on rebuilding that defense, which is already a very strong unit. So really can't blame them for that. But they do take the first linebacker selected, Quay Walker, out of Georgia. Uh, can't go wrong there. That that Georgia defense was uh, historically strong. Typically how it goes in college football, like the, 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 the trend has been that the teams who score the most points usually end up winning the games, especially the national championship. Very rarely do you see defensively stout uh, teams come away as the champion. Uh, they had a, 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 a fairly simple offense. Uh, I wouldn't call it dynamic, certainly not like the Ohio State or Alabama offense, but they were able to score enough points and more importantly, stop Alabama. So really a special defense out of Georgia. And that was clear here in the first round of the NFL draft as five total Georgia defenders were taken. So we'll get to a couple more of those in a little bit here. Then at 23, the Buffalo bills traded up from 25 with the Ravens to select cornerback Kair Elam. They did not take Brees Hall. They did not take the running back I wanted them to take to really round out their offense. But, you know, this is probably just a good business decision. Um, Pretty rarely do running backs go in the first round, but they get one of the better cornerbacks here, and he can be paired up on the opposite side of the field as they're already uh, studly. Tredavious White, so a very smart move for the Bills. Then at 24, the Dallas Cowboys do prioritize the offensive line here, take the next best tackle available in Tyler Smith. Uh, After losing Lyle Collins in free agency to the Bengals, this was a pretty obvious choice. Although I did have that as a priority for them in my mock, I did have them uh, focusing on defense, um, taking Devin Lloyd, but that did not happen. So so they'll take the tackle instead. That is definitely a smart move for them. Then at 25, uh, the Baltimore Ravens uh, just continue to gobble up just excellent talent at great values. They selected the top center in the class, Tyler Lindenbaum out of Iowa. Uh, 
you know, that they just are able to get a center here to help protect their franchise quarterback in Lamar Jackson, just a really smart uh, pick here. So good job on the Ravens. They just seem to do that every single season. It's really frustrating, but good on them. That 26, uh, the, the Titans were originally slotted to be here. They traded back with the jets and the jets took advantage of one of the more bizarre uh, happenings in, on draft night. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, the, Arguably the third best edge rusher in this class just kept falling and falling and falling. And at a certain point, the Jets swooped up and took them. Maybe they were kind of waiting for the right moment. Uh, they were maybe thinking that the Ravens were going to take them at 25. I mean, the Ravens or the Eagles, any of them could, could have taken them at 13, 14 or, or 15 with, with the Texans. So it's pretty wild. Uh, so they got a tremendous value in Jermaine Johnson uh, at 26th overall. And that uh, is a really insane trio of picks for them. At four, Sauce Gardner. At 10, Garrett Wilson, I would say, who is arguably the safest wide receiver in this class. And then at 26, Jermaine Johnson, just a phenomenal haul out of the first round for the Joe Douglas-led Jets. Joe, Joe Douglas, the GM, uh, did a fantastic job on night one. Then at 27, the uh, Jaguars traded up and that uh, they traded up with Tampa Bay who traded out of the first round and the Jaguars selected who I thought was arguably the top linebacker in this class, uh, Devin Lloyd. I really did like Nicobe Dean a lot. Um, we will talk about him on, on a uh, future episode, but the Jaguars do the smart thing and they get arguably the top linebacker in the class, Devin Lloyd and pair him with, with, who in their mind was the top edge rusher in Trayvon Walker. Really smart way uh, to continue to build the franchise from the ground up in the start of the Doug Peterson head coach era. Uh, really smart stuff here for, from the Jaguars. You love to see that. Then at 28 overall, back to the Green Bay Packers, they take Devontae Wyatt, who was my final exact hit uh, from my mock drafts. Uh, he was another defensive lineman, edge rusher from that stout uh, Georgia defense. And I originally mocked him to the Packers because they were in need of replacing Zadarius Smith, a uh, very highly productive uh, um, edge rusher who they lost in free agency. So I think that made a lot of sense. Just in my mock, I had them taking a wide receiver at 22, but uh, they did address the position early in the second round. So once again, that'll be covered in a later episode. So they didn't completely troll uh, Aaron Rodgers, but um, they did give him some help eventually, but definitely a wise choice to just keep on building to that already strong defense, uh, especially in a division where... Um, the division as a whole is in kind of a rebuild with the Lions, Bears, and Vikings. The Vikings are already pretty well established as an offensive unit, uh, but nothing really that the Packers can't handle. So I think it just was, it was smart football to take uh, Devonta Wyatt there. So the Patriots now were finally picking at 29. They make one of the stranger picks of the evening, uh, pardon the pun, but they take guard Cole Strange. And I'm not this you know, big time scout or anything. This was, I think, honestly, the first time I had heard this player's name before. Now I want to back up for a second and say, 
well, I just mentioned I'm not a scout, and I'm also not in any position to really question what Bill Belichick uh, does and says. Uh, he obviously is a brilliant head coach, and I think, though, that this criticism is a little bit warranted because of some of the questionable early round selections that the Patriots have made over the recent years that have not panned out. Obviously, they've had great success, but some of their early round picks just have not worked out um, as well. So I'm hoping that's not the case for them because I because I think uh, logically this is a smart move to get uh, a strong presence building on the offensive line since they already have their franchise quarterback from, from last season. They drafted Mac Jones. So this is just that way to continue the New England Patriot machine. So at the end of the day, if he is a phenomenal player, then this would look really great. It just seemed like a bit early just because I was not familiar with the name. It was not a name that I had really seen much in the first round uh, looking over just a swell of, of mock drafts. But either way, uh, Bill gets his guy there uh, at 29. Then we're back to the Kansas City Chiefs at 30. They continue to prioritize the uh, defense uh, taking edge rusher George Karloftis, who I ironically had going to the Patriots just the pick before. So they were probably were extremely excited to get him. Uh, they could have targeted wide receiver here, most likely, but probably similar logic with the Packers. Maybe just didn't seem right at that spot. And of course, they did address the wide receiver position after losing Tyree Kill. That will be covered on a later episode. Then at 31, the Bengals, I had them taking uh, Tyler Lindenbaum. So in this case, he, he's off the board. Uh, I think it, it was the best priority to shore up that offensive line, which they already did a good job of in free agency, getting guard Alex Kappa from the Buccaneers and the left tackle for, or, or the, yeah, the, the left tackle for the uh, Dallas Cowboys in Lyle Collins. So they shifted focus to defense, taking arguably the next best safety behind uh, Kyle Hamilton in Daxton Hill out of Michigan. So very smart pick there. Just get um, another position of need shored up on, on, that, uh, on that defense. Then at 32, the Minnesota Vikings are finally selecting and they took safety, Lewis sign out of Georgia, who would be then the fifth Georgia defender taken in this first round. So a really impressive haul for, for, for the Georgia program, but the Vikings do prioritize the, uh, the secondary, which I had them mocked originally. So it was an awesome first round. It was a ton of fun. And uh, the rest of the draft will, will be covered here in the upcoming weeks. Uh, so I thank you for listening. I thank you for watching. If you're on YouTube watching, please like, comment uh, what, what, what you think of the first round, what you thought of my mock draft. Uh, subscribe, of course, and click the bell so you just never miss any new content from, from the IDP Guys Network. So again, I'm Steve at Fantasy Ladder. Keep climbing.